Now it's time to talk about Brett Kavanaugh, Trump's nominee to fill the Supreme Court seat vacated by the swing vote, Anthony Kennedy. Today's topic, what should Democrats on the Judiciary Committee ask Kavanaugh in his confirmation hearings? For that, we turn to David Cole. He's National Legal Director of the ACLU and Legal Affairs Correspondent for the Nation. His most recent book is Engines of Liberty, How Citizen Movements Succeed. David, welcome back. Thanks for having me. Well, let's clarify at the outset, what is the ACLU policy on endorsement of Supreme Court nominees? So we are a, we are a nonpartisan organization, as you know, and we have a policy of not endorsing or opposing um, nominees or uh, candidates for government office, uh, and that includes the Supreme Court. So we're neutral uh, on the, on the uh, appointment of Justice Kavanaugh. We're going to talk to you about the confirmation hearings when people nominated for seats on the Supreme Court appear before the Senate Judiciary Committee. They almost always say that they cannot answer questions about current legal issues that might come before the court, which are, of course, all the issues that we care about. What exactly is the typical argument they make to justify not answering? Well, they generally say, uh, I, you want a judge with an open mind. Uh, I want, uh, I, you know, when this case comes before me, uh, I want to have an open mind. If I commit myself now to a position, then that will preclude me from having an open mind when the case comes before me. And I ought not decide how the case should come out until I've actually had briefing from both sides and considered it carefully uh, rather than in response to a question from a member of the Senate Judiciary Committee. And you think there are questions that Brett Kavanaugh must answer. Before we get into the specifics of those questions, what is your rationale here? How do you distinguish between uh, a question that that really ought to be answered and questions that are not appropriate? You know, I don't think it's appropriate to ask uh, how you're going to rule in a particular case, and I, I think it's 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 reasonable for the for a, a, a potential justice to to not answer that kind of a question for the reasons I articulated. But, you know, these are these are people, uh, and Brett Kavanaugh is one, in generally, who have uh, spoken publicly on a wide variety of issues about their views um, and uh, have, you know, not limited themselves to the, the, the words in their written opinions. And so I think you can ask them questions that go to their um, understandings of basic constitutional uh, principles and, and, and rights uh, without asking them to decide how they would rule in a specific case. So, for example, you know, I don't think it's appropriate to say, will you affirm or overturn Roe versus Wade? But I think you can ask, do you agree that the Constitution protects a fundamental right of liberty of all persons to make personal decisions about their bodies and their families. Uh, and that, you know, that includes things like the right to choose how your child is educated, the right to choose whether to use contraception or not, the right to, to marry on equal terms if you're straight or, or, or not, and the, the right to abortion. And in fact, Roe v. Wade right now has massive public support. There's a new poll from NBC News and the Wall Street Journal. It's found that 71% of American voters 
believe that the decision which established a woman's legal right to an abortion should not be overturned. Just 23% say the ruling should be reversed. That's the highest level of support for Roe v. Wade and the lowest share of voters who wanted overturned in the in the history of polling. So this is for the Democrats uh, and the opponents of Kavanaugh a key political issue that they will mobilize opposition to him around. And you think there is a way to ask him about this? There can't we also ask him about his recent rulings? about one abortion case involving a person in immigration detention. Tell us about that one. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, and, you know, I, I think on, on, the, uh, on this, the remarkable uh, support for Roe, I think what you're seeing there is the Trump effect. He, he has threatened to take it away, and because he's threatened to take away something that has been so central to uh, so many people's lives, people have come forward and, you know, and are, are newly valuing it uh, in ways that I think they may have just sort of taken for granted for a long time. Um, so Brett Kavanaugh on, on Roe versus Wade, I think he hasn't decided many cases, but he did decide one case, a case that we brought, uh, the ACLU, on behalf of an, un, uh, of an undocumented minor who was in federal custody in Texas, uh, learned that she was pregnant, uh, sought to obtain an abortion, went through all the steps you need to go through as a minor in Texas to get an abortion, and then the the uh, head of the Office of Refugee Resettlement, which oversees the federal custody of, of immigrant minors uh, and is a uh, adamantly pro-life guy, uh, vetoed her decision and said, no, I'm not going to facilitate you getting an abortion. Uh, and what he meant by that is I'm not going to open the door of the facility in which you are being held in custody to allow you to go out for medical treatment that is your constitutional right. And we sued, uh, and the courts, the, the district court ruled that indeed she had a right to uh, have that abortion, and the government has no right to keep her locked up to deny her medical treatment. Um, and the government appealed to the D.C. Circuit, and Judge Kavanaugh was on the panel that heard that appeal, uh, and he uh, ruled that um, the government could have an, an extra, at that point, uh, I think 11 days to try to find a sponsor for the girl so that she could be taken out of federal custody, at which point they wouldn't have anything to do with the uh, abortion. And that was then overturned over the weekend by the D.C. Circuit, uh, the full panel of the D.C. Circuit. So in that case, he did not. He, he voted against the uh, the right of the woman. He did, you know, he didn't say she could not have an abortion at all. He said that the government should be given some more time before she uh, gets her abortion. But she'd already been delayed for about a month in terms of getting the abortion. And the longer you go, the more. Uh, risky it is, and at some point it becomes illegal to have an abortion. Well, for Democrats organizing the opposition to Kavanaugh, his position on abortion rights and Roe v. Wade is the number one question, but it's not the number number one question on your list of questions the Democrats should ask Kavanaugh. What's your number one? So my number one is really whether he is someone who believes in an evolving constitution or whether he is somebody who is committed to the constitution as it was understood by the the dead white men who wrote it uh, 200 plus years ago. Uh, and if you look at the history of Supreme Court justices in this country, 
virtually all of them have believed in an evolving constitution. That is, we start with the constitution as it was written 200 plus years ago, but we recognize that the country has changed over time, and we recognize that the constitution was written in broad terms precisely so that it could evolve with the times. And it's through judicial interpretation and specifically by the Supreme Court, that that happens. But there are a handful of justices who take a very different view, this this originalist view that we are stuck with whatever the folks back then, 200-plus years ago, thought. So it's a very small minority of justices over the course of history who have taken that view, but unfortunately there are a number of them on the court today. Um, uh, Justice Thomas and Justice Gorsuch are both originalists. Uh, Justice Alito is sometimes an originalist, um, and that's disturbing because, you know, if you take an originalist understanding of the Constitution, if you believe it doesn't evolve at the times, then segregation uh, would be legal because it was legal at the time that the 14th Amendment was adopted, and there was very little evidence that the, the framers of the 14th Amendment intended to, to undo segregation. Women's protection under the Equal Protection Clause, they were not laws that treated women differently from men were not seen as violating the Equal Protection Clause until the 1970s, when because of feminism, because of the women's movement, because of Ruth Bader Ginsburg and the ACLU, the court finally came around to recognizing the Equal Protection Clause protects women. Marriage equality, obviously, was not protected by the Constitution until 2015. So if you believe in an originalist understanding of the Constitution, then you throw a lot of rights that we today consider very fundamental to who we are as Americans under the bus. The next big issue for Kavanaugh, in my opinion, concerns the possibility that the court might be asked to review charges or proceedings of some kind against Donald Trump. We remember the case of United States versus Nixon, the landmark Supreme Court case from 1974, a unanimous decision against President Nixon ordering him to deliver tape recordings, and other subpoenaed materials to a federal district court. In the past, Kavanaugh has suggested that the court came to the wrong conclusion in United States versus Nixon. What do you think Democrats could ask him about U.S. versus Nixon and about the possibility that United States versus Trump might come before the court? Well, I think there's, there are lots they can and should ask him on that question because, you know, it's absolutely a, 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 real, a real possibility that one of these matters will come uh, before the court and that he might well be the decisive vote. Um, and I think the first one is he's been given the, this plum assignment by President Donald Trump. Is he, will he recuse himself uh, if Donald Trump himself is... Uh, uh, is that, is that issue? The second, I think, is to 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 ask him to, to ask about this this case, the U.S. versus Nixon case, and what is his justification for saying that a, a decision that was unanimously handed down by a court that had many conservative Republicans on it, uh, as well as liberal uh, liberals and Democrats on it, you know what what was wrong about it, and what is the role, what is the proper role of the court in uh, checks and balances and assuring that the executive branch of the government does not run amok. Uh, and he has written some pieces that uh, suggest, and these are his views, so I think he can be asked about it, suggest that in his view, uh, both civil and criminal uh, cases should not proceed against the president at all uh, while he is president because they are too distracting. Well, you know, we have a criminal investigation against the president right now. There are a number of civil cases uh, going on against the president. 
And there, there certainly are considerations that the president needs to be able to focus on his job, but there's also consider the number one consideration is that no one is above the law. And uh, if, you, if you take the courts out of checking executive power, uh, that's, a, that's a very, very dangerous uh, scenario, particularly when you've got a president like this in office. If Kavanaugh refuses to answer these questions, what choices do the Democrats on the Judiciary Committee have? I think they need to essentially cross-examine him and really put him on the spot and and, and, and require him to give meaningful answers. Um, if he doesn't give meaningful answers, then you know it's their their choice as to whether they think they have sufficient information to to vote to confirm him or to vote to oppose him. And they that well, all they have are their votes. Um, uh, they can vote yay or nay, and at the end of the day, there are, you know, it's it's essentially a fifty to forty nine Senate right now. So if all the Republicans vote in his favor and all the Democrats vote against him, he will be confirmed. And so there, there's not a lot that that a Democrat can do uh, unless a Republican, you know, is willing to oppose the uh, the nominee. David Cole wrote about. 10 questions Brett Kavanaugh must answer for the New York Review Daily. He's National Legal Director of the ACLU and Legal Affairs Correspondent for The Nation. Thank you, David. It's been great having you on the show today. Thanks for having me, John. You've been listening to Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine. You can hear more interviews like this one at thenation.com, and you can subscribe to Start Making Sense at iTunes Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Wiener. Thanks for listening. 